Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Grab out your note sheet and let's jump right into today's sermon. Next weekend is a packed weekend. We're heading down to Mexico for the Tijuana Christian Mission. We're going to hang out with the kids and the teens down there. So right now we have three of us. We have spots for three more. And so we're going to take one truck down there. We're going to uh, bring some games down, bring some supplies. They're super stoked that we're going to be coming down so they know it. So if you want to go, sign up online, talk to me, let me know. Um, and you got to do it probably by about Wednesday. So I kind of know who's coming down. But looking forward to that. It's going to be a great trip. If you've never been, it's safe. It's good. Uh, and it's going to impact you as much as it's going to impact those kids. But they love it. And so, again, these are kids that they live at an orphanage. And it also gives the leaders a break. And so the kids, too, like meeting other people rather than the leaders they have every day. So that's Saturday. Sunday is our party fall festival. And so we are dressing up. If you don't like to dress up, dress up. Put, do something. Do something small, but we all like to dress up, have some fun, party it up. So we'll have, uh, it's going to be a different service. We're going to do a little bit of testify, sharing what God's doing in our lives. We're going to interview some missionaries that uh, I'm going to tell you how we're supporting. We're going to come interview them. That's next Sunday. So it's going to be a little bit different. And then we're going to party afterwards. We have trick-or-treating for the kids, all kinds of fall festival stuff, music, all that good stuff. So invite people and uh, just be ready to have a good time uh, next week. So next weekend, packed weekend. Look forward to seeing you here. Um, there's all kinds of opinions on marriage. God does have an opinion. It's important we talk about today because sometimes we assume what his opinion in is, and he's never said that. We heard it from someone else that interpreted what God said, and that's not true. And what you're going to find with God in general is that he gives you these guardrails where he's like, hey, don't go off-roading. You'll kill yourself. But he doesn't tell you necessarily the rules of the road as far as you've got to figure out how you're going to drive on the road. But he gives you the guardrails saying, don't go off-road, but I'm going to give you a lot of freedom today. And it's that way in marriage. So there's not this pattern of you need to have these, these 30 things and all marriages need to look that way. There's some things you're going to figure out, but there's some things he's saying, hey, this is essential for a marriage not to go off the rails, right? But again, we grow up and there's all kinds of opinions and, and we've got to combat that with what God says. Uh, again, some different thoughts, memes, things people have posted. Let's go ahead and put up the first one here. 95% of being married is just shouting what from other rooms. That's part of marriage. If you're, if you're single, you're like, really? Yeah, you'll see. You'll see. <laughs> the biggest step in any relationship isn't the first kiss, it's the first fart. I experienced that, and that's what uh, I knew. I'm going to be married for life to this person. There are two types of people in the world. It is already 10 p.m., and it's only 10 p.m., and they marry each other. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how that works out, but it does. I don't know what that, that, that unique attraction is because you don't talk about it until you get married and you're like, oh man, and then you try to have discussions. The person that wants to stay up late tries to have those deep discussions at 11 and the person that, that wakes up early wants to have those deep discussions in the morning. It's just part of marriage. But um, the context of marriage, just so you know, if you're just joining us, we're in the book of Ephesians. And Paul's writing to a group of churches in modern-day Turkey. That's where they are. And so it's this city. It's a huge city. It's a port city. And in kind of all these suburbs around that city, it, it went to all these churches. Paul was one of the, the, the first guys to help start these churches in this area. And it's several years later, and they're struggling. So he's writing to say, hey, as, a, as someone who's an apostle sent by Jesus, as someone who's helped uh, start this thing, let's not have mission creep. Let's not forget what our purpose is. 
And so he's writing this letter. And, he, and so the first four chapters is setting as far as your purpose in Christ. To understand that the church and what it is is established by Jesus and it's an important thing. It's not just me and Jesus. I just walk with Jesus. I don't need people. I don't need church. He goes, that's a lie. Jesus established the church. And what does it mean to be part of the church? And then he goes in and saying, hey, in your lives, the goal now is to love and walk like Jesus loved and walked through life. We talked about that last week. Walk with Christ. And now he's going to talk about the details of how to do that. He's going to talk about marriage. He's going to talk about kids, which we're going to be talking about in a, in a few weeks. And he's going to talk about how does that play out in your work? What does it mean to be a Christian in the workplace? So the context of this, we're going to start in Ephesians 15 through 5, 15 through 17. And Paul says this, listen, as Christians, be very careful then how you live. Be careful. Be intentional. Be mindful of how you live. Don't just live randomly and just like, well, I feel this or I feel that. No, no, no. Be intentional in your mind. Be intentional in your actions. That's part of being a Christian. There's a discipline. There's a, a fruit of the Spirit called self-control. So be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Part of your journey as a Christian, if I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm constantly trying to understand what is God's will. Now, how we get God's will is through the scriptures. Because some of us are like, I wonder what God's will is. And we try to make it up in our brains. No, the scriptures will reveal his will. What's his will for, for marriage? Well, he's going to talk about that. In Ephesians 5, 21 then, he says, one of the things when it comes to uh, God's will is submit to one another out of reverence to, for Christ. Be submissive, being submissive to others. Say that word, submissive. Yeah, half of you are like, I ain't saying that word. I don't want, I don't want, right? You will always struggle in connecting to Jesus and following Jesus if you can't say it and cherish that word. I just want you to, I want you to be straight up with you right now. The reason God wants us to be submissive to each other is a lot of times, if you lack it with someone else, you will lack it with God. Because why don't I want to be submissive? No one's going to walk over me or tell me what to do. But the problem Jesus says is, listen, part of being in the kingdom of God is actually opposite of the world. The world says promote yourself. And if you have to, pull others down to get above. And Jesus is going to say, in the kingdom of God, if you want to be great in eternity, your reward is be nothing now. And so actually you push yourself under people in order to lift them up. This is a big transition for a lot of us. This is a stumbling block for some of us when it comes to just our walks with God. That word submit, just so you know, it's, it's two Greek words put together. Hypo, like hypothermic, where we get that from, right? When you're hypothermic, your temperature is down. It's going down, right? Under. Hypo means under. And then uh, tasso or tasso means to arrange. It means that you willfully, not that someone oppresses you, you actually willfully place yourself under someone in order to lift them up to Jesus. That's what it means to be submissive. He says, as a church, look to be submissive. Not my way, not my interests. I don't like that worship song. I don't like the way we do this. I don't like the way we do that. I don't like this in our marriage. You need to change. It's, it's my ideas, my ideas, and battling of ideas. It says, no, a Christian marriage is going to be different. Who can out-submit each other? Not who can have more power over each other. 
He says, submit to one another, but why? Out of reverence for who? You're doing it not because they deserve it, but because Christ requires it. We know this to be true. If you work a, a retail job, if I was a waiter for seven years, why was I nice to the people I was serving? Tips, but also I wouldn't be employed if I told everybody, and just so you know what your waiters think about you, they don't tell you to your face. We do it when we go behind the doors in the kitchen. If you want to know, put your ear up to the kitchen. You will hear everything we think about you, right? How you demand without even asking, treating us like a piece of crud. Get this for me. I want this. I'm a grown adult there. Relax, right? Well, I'm demanding this. That, that can come off to waiters or in retail, right? How we come off to people, you know? Well, why is this policy that way? What's wrong with you? Uh, I'm getting minimum wage here. I didn't set policy but yet we take our anger out on them, right? But why in retail or why as a waiter did I try to just have that smile? When I knew even when I wasn't going to get a good tip. Usually I could tell within the first few minutes if I'm going to get a good tip. Why did I keep doing that? Out of reverence for the restaurant and the owners and what they required of me, not because they deserved it. And Jesus saying, listen, you will struggle if you're trying to be humble if people deserve it rather than saying this is what Christ requires. And I'm going to trust him. Marriage is a journey of faith, not just a journey of two people becoming one. Now he plays this out in marriage. And just so you know, this is a theme of Jesus. Luke chapter 9, verse 40, if you want to write that verse down, he says, the least among you will be the greatest. And he said this when the disciples are arguing, how can we become great in your, in your structure, Jesus? Right? In your business, in this, this thing that we're doing, how can I become great? He goes, become the least. Actually, he took out a child in this passage and said, become like them, and it blew their minds. He also reminded them in Matthew 20, 28, that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. So Jesus actually modeled this. And again, being submissive is out of a, is out of a, a place of strength, not of insecurity. I'm willing why? Because the ultimate love says, I want what's best for them because God will take care of me. And when I know God can fully take care of me, I don't need everything from my spouse. You need to be my encouragement. You need to be this. You need to be that. I have everything in Jesus. So then out of strength, I can come under and I can lift you up in prayer. I can back off on an argument. I can, rather than trying to change your mind, I can ask the Holy Spirit to change your mind. Yielding submitting, coming under. He says, this is the way that we can be careful and be wise how we live and understand what the Lord's will is. Now that sets the context. Let's jump into marriage because it's going to get fun now. Ephesians 5, 22, Paul says this, wives, let me talk to you first. Submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Some of us, we can feel the temperature slowly rising in our souls right now, right? For the husband is the head of the wife. Now we just lost it, right? Now, now it's just like, slow down, Rambo. Easy. Right? For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in, what's the last word? Everything. Now, when I hear sermons on this, 
you know, pastor, that, you know, we're trying to like explain, well, they didn't really mean, you know, they, they, yeah, but I'm not going to feel bad by how God explains things because he explains it for a reason. I, wanna, I want you to understand this. There's a lot of mystery when it comes to following Jesus. You're going to have to come down to, even if he doesn't explain it, I believe it. He's not going to always explain himself. Because I ask a question. When you read this, here's the question in my mind. Why? Like, why? It seems like it can open ourselves up for a lot of abuse, which some of us have experienced. Right? We can open ourselves for a lot of heartache and pain, which some of us have experienced. But he's saying, I need you to trust me along the way, even if I don't fully explain it. There's really no explanation of why God does this. Now, we can have... I've heard sermons where there's like, well, psychological reasons and there's this and there's that. That's us coming up with it. You might be right, but really the Bible doesn't say why. I think one thing, though, we do see is that it's clear that for any organization, business, church, or group to be successful, there needs to be someone that we all look to to sometimes make tough or bottom-line decisions. Have any of you been part of a business where there's two or three owners? It's brutal. I've been a part of that. And when there's not one that's, if it's 50-50 rather than 51-49, because 51-49, there's kind of that, that person that, they're going to make that bottom line when we're stuck. If you don't have that, what happens is the business never moves forward because we're always debating and discussing and, and we're always fighting and we're not moving forward. And I think God wants to set things up where I'm not going to let you guys figure it out because sometimes no one's going to lead or you're both going to fight for leadership. I'm going to establish it. And we see this was actually from the beginning of time because some of us might think, well, that's part of the fall, right? Part of the consequence, right? When, when Adam and Eve and they fell, you remember what God said, here's your consequences. He said that the wives will battle the husbands and all that kind of stuff. But I want to encourage you with this. Before necessary he, the fall, when they ate of the fruit that they weren't supposed to, do you remember in Genesis chapter 3 who God went to? When he said, where are you? Do you, do you remember who he spoke to in Genesis 3? It was Adam, not Eve. Eve started it by disobeying, and then Adam participated in it. He didn't go to the woman. He went to the man. Before the fall, you're responsible you're responsible. Now, here's what I want to encourage us. Being responsible doesn't mean that you do everything or it doesn't mean that you can demand everything. Being responsible just means that you know what's going on and that there's a sense of that you know and you're responsible for the ups and the downs and the rights and lefts in terms of whatever that business or organization. How God establishes, listen, there's a responsibility I'm giving to man. You will be accountable to this. So wives, in light of that, you are partners with him, but I can't have two people just constantly doing this. Now, here's the thing. When there's no conflict, who cares? Because submission is easy because you're both on the same page. When it gets hard is when there's disagreement, right? And the Bible talks about how to kind of walk through that kind of disagreement. There's going to be something that, that Paul says to the men. But in marriage, he's going to say, listen, for women, primarily in our minds, we've got to remember that Jesus is going to look to the husband as the primary person who is responsible. Partner with him, but have a submissive mindset. Now, how this is where we struggle. What does that mean to yield? What does that mean to submit? 
to someone? Like, how do I do that? How do I submit? Well, the first thing I encourage you with this is be careful who you marry. I'm just going to be straight up with you. When you're not intentional with who you marry, you just marry anyone, you can create more havoc than you needed to. If you marry someone that's authoritarian, demanding, belittling, guess what marriage will be? No, I'll change them. No, you won't. No, I'm sorry. You'll change them for the first year until you guys get comfortable. And then you're going to see the real person. So the first thing is be wise with who you marry because it can make it a lot harder to be submissive. Do you respect them? Are you marrying out of loneliness or out of, out of partnership? Because loneliness will be like, I'll just choose whoever now. Even if they disrespect you, even if they're belittling you. And so be wise with who you marry. Here's the other thing is, and again, the Bible gives a lot of freedom here. How do I yield? Talk to each other about what it means to yield. There's some husbands that are going to be maybe more wanting micromanaging, control, things like that. That's good to talk about. In premarital, those are things that are like, hey, we need to bring this up. There's some guys that are more passive, like, hey, do what you want, you know, things like that. So some of it's going to be the personality. The Bible doesn't necessarily line that out. So you want to talk about it so that, again, the goal is that out of submission, there's a sense of respect, and I'm serving with you in order to build you up. What builds you up? There was a, um, a couple that married, and they really didn't know Christ before they got married, but the wife grew much faster than the husband. She just kind of grew in her faith, and he struggled a lot, came from a gang background, and so really struggled with um, his own confidence. Um, he wasn't a natural-born leader, you know? So when we speak on these passages, like, hey, she's a natural-born leader. Like, she has a good memory. <laughs> she plans really well. She th- like we... And so I encouraged them with this, and I encouraged her with this. I said, listen, this is what submission is. Even if you can, it doesn't mean that you should. That's what being submissive is. So I'm saying, I'm not saying don't use your, your gifts, but bring him along with your gifts. She would do a nightly study with the kids, reading the Bible. He was watching TV. Why was he watching TV? Well, one of the things is he felt incompetent to talk to the kids about God. So I just said, listen, elevate him, come under him, and it doesn't mean that you can't talk to kids about Jesus, but bring him in. Let him read the Bible with you at least, even though if you're going to ask the question, begin to bring him along Because here's the thing, even if he feels incompetent, Jesus is going to look to him, not to her. Does that make sense? And so you're going to marry different skill levels, different, but it's just important to understand that. And it's also important because the kids are going to be watching that. Your number one parenting tool, the number one way you're going to parent is through your daily example more than your words. And remember that our marriage, Jesus is going to say later on, our marriage actually reflects Jesus. So the kids are going to understand the concept of God, the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and how they interact by the way mom and dad interact. Because as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are three in what? Three in one. Three different entities, right? But they come together and they're one. So the two become what? One. What are we representing? The Trinity. Was Jesus God? Is Jesus God? He's still alive. Okay, that's good theology there. Woo! That was a close one. Is Jesus God? But yet, he humbled himself before the Father. He submitted himself to the Father. Even though he's equal in value, he's different in role. So the 
God chose for some reason, God chose women to show that role in marriage of what it means the two to become one and to be submissive and saying, yes, the man's going to have the bottom line kind of authority. So you got to partner in that sense so kids see that so they don't see constant conflict, division, and fighting. And again, I don't know why. I want to remind you of this, that you know, when Adam was created, it said that a woman was created. Do you know the word that's described for woman? Helper. Now, before you guys get offended and be like, I ain't no, I ain't no maid. I ain't, you know, I ain't no helper. It's the same word that's used of God when it comes to being the God of Israel. It says that he is their helper. It's not because you're worth less or you're gifted less. It's not because of that. You actually submit out of strength and wisdom. And I want to remind you of this. Eve was created. Why? Because Adam, yeah, he was incompetent. Otherwise, Eve wouldn't have been created. And remember, Adam was with God, had all this land, all these animals, and there was something missing that God said, this isn't necessarily good for him. So create a woman, create a partner. To complete the mission of God and to complete the character of God, they both need to come together. And Jesus said, listen, in this role, again, I want you to exemplify who God is and to be submissive. How, again, how, how does this play out? It doesn't mean that you can't disagree. Just disagree without being divisive. Disagree without being divisive. When I submit, I'm choosing unity and peace over arguing and overly critiquing. So I'm going to back off the pedal. Just like when we yield on the freeway, someone has to back off the pedal and come behind the other person. It's the same concept. Back off a little bit. Now here's the thing. Do I yield to everything? Whatever he says, go. I run the house. Whatever I say, go. If I do that, you have to do it. If I say that, well, the, the Bible says that's why you want to be smart with who you marry. But here's the thing the Bible says is there is a boundary. In everything doesn't mean in anything because in everything except sin because ultimately you start are under God more than you are under man. If there's something sinful that's being asked of you, the Bible says, no, you set a boundary. You're asking me to disobey God in order to submit to you, and the Bible says that's a no-go. Matthew 18 talks about that. If a brother sins against you, you go to them. And if they don't repent, you go then and bring in a couple people from church, and if not, you bring in the elders. So as a husband, you can't just rule and say whatever goes. That's not how it works. That's how we take care of abuse in the church. When the church misinterprets this passage, that's where we get abuse in the church. Verbal abuse, physical abuse. Well, it's their home. They're the rule. You know? No, not at all. You don't have that freedom. And so it's not that you just stay quiet and you hunker down. No, if there's sin going on, you go to them. They don't handle it. We'll keep it in the four walls. Baloney. That's sin. And then you take it and the church comes in. And the church deals with it. And figures out what's going on here. And so we don't put up with sin. But a lot of times, a lot of our conflict necessarily isn't over sin. It's just a battle of the will. Why do we struggle with submission? I think there's three things. If you want to write these down, 
perception, pride, and pain. And if we don't deal with these things, we will struggle with submitting. Perception is this. We haven't seen it modeled well. we just never seen it modeled, so it sounds weird to me. It's like, why would I submit it? That sounds kooky. So sometimes we have a perception issue. Or we have a perception, if I submit, I'm weak, I'm incompetent, and I want them to think I'm weak. Right? 2022, women rule kind of a thing. It's like, oh. So we have a perception. I don't want to be perceived as weak or it's not in control. So sometimes our perception, we've got to tweak it, saying it's about the kingdom of God now, not the kingdom of this world and how they say marriage should be. Another one is pride. No one's going to have authority over me. And again, that's going to be an issue because if you view when God says, view your husband this way, usually we're going to view God that way. It's actually an authority issue, not just a husband issue. And the third one is pain. I've, I've, there's been abuse of authority. You had, a, you had a dad that was you know, domineering, um, abusive, and still went to church, was a leader at the church, and justified it, no, 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 it's, I'm the ruler of the home. So they, go, they go, they have authority, but they become authoritarian. And the Bible says, you're not authoritarian, you just have responsibility. There's a big difference. And the wives right now are thinking, when are you going to talk to the husbands? Here we go, hubbies, ready for this? Because you're like, it's good to be a man. Slow, slow your roll, here we go. Husbands, love your wives. And right now you're like, oh, no problem. I can love my wife. I'm, I'm the man, right? I mean, I got her, right? I chased her down like a cheetah chases down whatever cheetahs chase down. What do they eat? Huh? A gazelle. Yeah. Some of you, some of you that's what you're like. You're like, I'm, you're right? I'm the cheetah. I'm the lion. I chase. I know. I know how to love. I know how to pursue. Nope. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. So you are to love as Jesus loved and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present to her to himself as radiant church without stain, wrinkle, or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. This uh, word love is called agape. There's four times of love. There's brotherly love, right? There's kind of that erotic love, and some of you are like, oh, that sounds, you know, the Bible actually talks about erotic love, the, the, the importance of that. But this is agape love. It's a sacrificial love that says, it might not be good for me, but it's good for them. The cross was not like good for Jesus. He wasn't like, yeah, let's go, nail it, do it, yeah. It was difficult, painful, not beneficial for him, but life-changing for us. That's agape love. And if husbands right now were like, I, I, I don't know if I want that or can do that, think about that before you get married. And again, the Bible doesn't command us to get married, just so you know. In fact, Paul, if you read the Bible, is like, hey, stay single like me. You can do a lot of ministry. Paul wasn't like, but he's like, hey, but if you're going to get married, this is the mindset that honors Christ. This is the mindset that will help you to succeed and have a successful marriage. I'm choosing now, rather than do life for me, sacrificial love for another. Because you have the authority, you also now have the responsibility. And I'll tell you this, when I see a man sacrificially love for the betterment of his wife, not because he's codependent or he's scared of her, and, and, I, and I love someone not based off what they want, but what is good for them, just so you know. Love is not whatever they ask for, give it to them. That's not love. That's just placating. That's just being weak. Love is, I want to do what's best for you, right? And when you do that, I'll tell you what, I don't see a lot of marriage counseling that I'm doing where women are struggling yielding to that man. 
In fact, I, I do no counseling where a woman comes in and be like, I'm having a strong, uh, tough time submitting, but my husband's amazing. He prays for me. He loves me. When I'm sick, wakes up early, does the dishes, stays up late when I'm struggling with this. When I'm crying, he listens, doesn't try to tell me all, everything what to do, reads the scriptures, all that. I don't have the one being like, but I can't submit. I don't see that. Husbands, what the Bible says is, listen, I'm asking them to submit, but I'm starting it with you. You start with agape love, and you will have no problem. She will want to partner with you and build you up because you are building her up. A great marriage is two people trying to out-submit and out-love each other, and it just creates this momentum where they actually build each other up. In a, an unhealthy marriage, what happens is we begin to tear each other down because I'm exhausted, I'm insecure, and so the Bible says, be careful of that. Now this love, again, is to, as Christ loved the church, how did he do it? To make her holy, cleansing, so to mature her, and also he says to present her to himself. I want to encourage you with this. Agape love is this. How can I give my wife back to Jesus better than how I found her? How can I give my wife? I found her. How do I give? Because in... When this life is over, guess what? We're not married anymore. I don't know if you guys know that. Marriage is over. We are so one with Christ that marriage is an earthly thing to show and reflect the mission and the character of God. We don't need that in heaven. The sin is gone. How can I give my wife better so Jesus says, you did good. I created this woman in her mother's womb. I had hopes and dreams, and you fulfilled every one of those hopes and dreams. That's a partnership. And this is the kind of agape love that God desires. How do I give her back to Jesus better than how I found her? And by better, I mean this, healthier and stronger in her faith. How do I strengthen her faith? How do I strengthen her ministry? How do I help her to be healthy? How do I help her to be equipped for the kids? Equipped for work? equipped for ministry. She wants to go on missions. How can I work an extra job so I can pay for that? I'm looking for ways to better her. But I also am looking for ways to protect her because maybe she's making decisions or doing things and it's not for her betterment. And I love her so much, I'll speak the truth because if you lack truth, you lack love. Isn't Jesus honest with the church? Isn't he honest in the scriptures? He does it out of love. And so God says, you're there to protect her also so that she's out of danger and is not doing anything. And where did Adam fail? By not speaking truth to Eve, saying, no, 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 no. What did he do? He stood by and just watched and left that woman alone and was probably hoping like, oh, she's in big trouble. I'm not going to say anything, right? And God's like, I blame you. You should have said something. You should have done something. This kind of sermon can be one of those, you're like, that's good in theory, but we honestly really struggle with. I really encourage you with this. Don't think about where you struggle in obeying this. Ask God, how can I actually live this? How can I trust you, even though I've never seen it, or it's difficult, how can I trust you in this? And I want to encourage you with this. The Bible has a lot to say about marriage. Paul's just directing this one church. We're saying, listen, you guys are struggling in your marriages, I have something for the women. I have something for the men that'll really help you. It'll help you to show unity. It'll help you to show love. But there's other passages in the Bible too 
Hebrews 13.4 says this, marriages should be honored by all. Honor marriage. Be careful about your humor with it. Be careful about ripping on your spouse, being sarcastic with your spouse, joking with the boys, the ball and chain. We just got to be, it's little things, but be careful that. The Bible says honor marriage. Hold it in high regard. It's a big deal to God. It's not just about two people. Does this work out? Does it not work out? No, this is a holy union, right? And that's why Matthew 19, 4 through 6 says this. Haven't you read that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female? For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife. Here's what that means with marriage. You no longer are under your family rules. Your mother-in-law or your mom or your father-in-law or your dad, they don't run the marriage anymore. You do. If you are an in-law or if you have children that are married, it's not your family anymore. They choose their schedule. They choose who they're going to visit on Christmas. They don't need guilt. They don't need shame. It's not yours anymore. Very important. Some of you that are listening to your mother-in-law or your mom rather than your husband. Stop it. It's not theirs. You leave and you start your own. That's why the Bible says that the woman takes the man's name. That's not just an official legal thing. There's, a, there's a, a sense of a new family starting, a new unity starting. So he says that God created this, and the two will become one in flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Who joins people together? God. So it's not just two people that fall in love. It's actually God that joins people together. So it's a spiritual, holy thing, not just a human flesh thing. 1 Peter 3 through 7 says this Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. So he's talking about the leadership in the home and how to love. Be considerate, that word also means to be wise. Be considerate with the way you live with your wives. Treat them with respect. Another uh, way you can translate that word is honor or value. So again, even though I lead the home, it doesn't mean that my wife doesn't have a voice in the home. That's not. Love. It means that we still talk and discuss things. We're still partners, right? So he says, husbands, as you live with your wives, treat them with respect as a weaker partner and as heirs with you in the gracious gift of life so that nothing will cut off your prayers. What the Bible is saying is, husbands, if you don't love correctly, not only does it create a difficult marriage, you're going to have a difficult relationship with God. So how you treat your wife is how God is going to treat you. And you actually cut off your prayers if you don't treat her well. So honor them, respect them. You have authority, but don't be an authoritarian. But also don't be weak and passive, being like, well, whatever you want to do. Because God's like, no, it's not whatever you want to do. You're the one that I'm going to look to. So you can't go to either extreme. What else does the Bible say? Well, 1 Corinthians 7, 1 through 5, this is a really interesting one. Paul writes this. It is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But since sexual immorality is occurring... And that's in the church. He's addressing it. He's like, hey, since it's occurring, I'm hearing about it in the church. Each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife. So the husband's like, yeah, you hear that? It's biblical, baby. It's biblical. And likewise, the wife to her husband. Check this out. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it. That's the same word as submits it but yields it to her husband in the same way 
Husband does not have authority over his own body, but actually submits it to his wife. Do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. The Bible wants consistent physical intimacy in a marriage. There shouldn't be these huge gaps. Now, I'm not saying that if someone's like, hey, I want to have sex tonight. That's just like, demand, right? Your body's mine. No, but what he's saying is, listen, even in sex, it should be a submission thing of just like, hey, I want to because it's good for them. It keeps connection, right? It keeps communion there. And so that's part of a marriage. That's what makes marriage unique. It's not done outside of marriage. And so he's saying respect sex. It's not a dirty thing. It's not something the world has and all that kind of stuff. But here's the thing I want to encourage you guys with. The quality of the intimacy in the bedroom usually reflects the quality outside the bedroom. And if you don't want to work on love outside the bedroom, you're going to have a hard time of finding love in your bedroom. And so that's what the Bible says. Do it in order. Agape love. Create that momentum. And then it helps with intimacy. But don't Sex is a gift from God, and it should be honored, and it is one of those things that it's one of the things where I'm submitting my body to the other person. Hebrews 19.14, for the single people, just says this, houses and wealth are inherited from parents, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. The spouse is actually a gift from God. More than you found them, God gave them. A prudent wife is from the Lord. I encourage people that are single um, rather than thinking about being married, prepare yourself to be married, and God will give you that gift. Become responsible. Become a person that agape loves before you get married. Learn how to serve. Women, work on that submission before you get married. Be prepared so that the gift, you're ready to accept the gift rather than despise the gift or to miss out on the gift because you're not ready. But it's a gift from God. And so we cherish it. We honor it. I can see your eyes right now. You guys are like, I got a lot of questions, right? But here's the thing I want to encourage you is as we go into worship, the worship team, go and come on up here and then we reflect on it. Marriage is a gift from God. And a lot of times as people, the gifts that God gives us, rather than cherish it, we despise it or we don't do anything with it. We don't hold it for value. The world tends to diminish marriage. And we got to make sure that we're not having that mindset, right? The world values careers and monies and things and things like that. And what the Bible says, no, 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 marriage is an awesome thing. Those of you that desire it, it's an awesome thing to, to desire. But it comes with a responsibility and it comes with you have equal value but different roles. Now here's the thing, these are the guardrails. Notice the Bible doesn't say anything about, well, the man works and the woman stays home and she takes care of all the kids. The Bible doesn't say that. That's actually an American thing that started in the 19, really in the 1940s and 50s, actually post-World War II, because we became so prosperous, the women didn't have to work. For thousands of years, though, the women help raise the kids, they help with the business, they help in the fields. When I go and visit in Indian Africa, it's not like they're just sitting in the house watching TV while the husband's not. No, but they're partnering. They're partnering and they're talking. Hey, I'm doing this. Who's doing that? Hey, can you take care of the kids there? They're communicating, right? But someone's got to take ownership of it. Where's this marriage going? Where are we going spiritually? Where are we going financially? Where are we going with the kids? What's our purpose with the kids? Men, you've got to take that. 
God's put that on your shoulders. Well, I'm not gifted for it. Well, then let him gift you. Take a class. Read a book. Talk to people that do it well. I don't do it well. Find a man that does do it well in the church. They're around and learn. And then let God work that way. And that's going to change the marriage. It's going to be a marriage that your kids are going to look at and be like, I know the love of God, not just because I heard it at church, but because I've seen it between mom and dad. We're going to take time to worship now. I'm just praying that the Holy Spirit um, would just continue to encourage you with how to work that out this week. Jesus, we come before you now, and I'll be honest, Jesus, I was not really looking forward to preaching this sermon. (laughs) But God, the difficult things we have to trust you with. And to be honest, God, the difficult things become easier when we try it out and we see that it really works. God, for those of us that struggle with submission, Lord, I pray that you would heal that pain, maybe where that comes from. We've been hurt, Lord, and we don't want to be hurt again, and we don't want to come under someone because we thought they might stomp on us. And God, I pray that we could just give that to you, saying and realizing you, you, you have them. Lord, I pray if there's any man here that's a little too authoritarian, a little too big, Lord, that he would humble himself under you, realizing that's not how you treat him, and that he has a precious gift, and he should value that gift and not diminish it. And God, I pray for the men that, Lord, we would not run from leadership. We would not do what Adam did, and the consequences of that stay silent with our arms folded, Lord. We'd speak the truth in love. We would look at our wives, Lord, and we say, what's best for them? Not what they want, but what's best for them, Lord? And God, may we sacrificially love. May we never get tired of serving them, of encouraging them, of praying for them, of speaking the word into their life, that we'd be excited to see all that you created them to be, Lord, in ministry, in the home, in the workplace, that we would be their number one fan and they would know it. And I pray most of all that our kids would see your love, Jesus, through our marriages. They wouldn't just hear it, they would see it in the home and understand how much you love them, Jesus. We worship you now. Thank you, God, for explaining this to us, and thank you for equipping us, Lord, to do marriage this way. In your name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information or to get in contact with our pastoral staff, please go to go toaccesschurch.com.